welcome to The Higher Point. Um, we are here coming from the studio at High Point Farms um, with my buddy Nick here. And today we have an episode of Question and Answer. Some guys have, and ladies and gentlemen have sent in some questions for us over Instagram and Facebook. And we're going to do our best to answer these questions. Um, no promises that... Uh, We'll have perfect answers for you, though. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a reason for that, and you'll understand here in a little bit when we read re, we read Ted Carter's question. You'll know. Yep. So, uh, first one is of course Jansen. Why do y'all choose to do strongman and hurt your bodies instead of working on being healthy and looking good in the mirror? Hmm. I'll let you go first. Spoken like a true ego lifter. <laughs> <laughs> you have to admit he can back up his ego lifting. No, he can. I mean, like Jansen can lift a lot of the same weights that me and Nick can. And yeah. his bench is stronger than ours. Like, yeah, I think I'm, most of his lifts are stronger than mine, to be honest. He, like my, my biggest thing with uh, just just lifting to lift, you know, like I understand like where I'm at with that, you know, like mentally, like I need to go to the gym to keep, my mind sharp to like gain the confidence, keep the confidence to just like keep a clear mind. That's what it helps me with. Um, but on the other hand, like I'm competitive. I've had a competitive nature since I was, since I was young being in sports. And after, uh, I graduated college, started working at busy bee. I didn't do anything competitive. Didn't even lift weights for three years. You know, I got fat, got divorced and, uh, here we are now. I mean, my first love was strongman, or my first love was football. My second love left me. My third love, beer. Strongman was be- no. Your third love was beer. <laughs> no. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it just you know for me it's the competitive nature of it you know and it helps like when you have goals that you set goals like for competition and for making nationals you know it makes it easier to stay disciplined and work towards those goals. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, so it's a little different for me. Uh, just to, just to illustrate the point, really the, the only sports that I played were like summer baseball and golf. Like I tried football seventh grade year. Um, and I really fucking hated the conditioning and stuff. And I was just, you know, mentally weak. And so I just decided to do a, uh, I'm glad you said a it. newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. Um, you know, uh, I, I did a newspaper route instead and, you know, I mean, I still had to like, have the wherewithal to like go home, fold all the papers, load everything up and go do it every day. Mm-hmm. But, um, I didn't really see the point to sports cause it was like, at least with the paper, I like, I had some money to like use and do things with. But, um, so through that, I was the fat cops kid that never got invited to parties. I literally was that kid that was in my parents' basement playing video games. I mean, like if you think the stereotypical thing, like I ate my meals down there, like I did all that stuff. And, um, so strongman is the first thing that I've ever really felt like I belong to when it came to athleticism because strongman started, you know, uh, at least my journey into strongman started when like Brian Shaw, Eddie Hall and, uh, Thor were all like kind of the main mm-hmm. icons the there guys, yeah. and they were just like massive, right? Like they had huge fat contents, but they were still incredibly strong. Well, I've always had huge fat content. I was like, well, maybe I can work on the incredibly strong portion. Plus, it's something that I've always like watched on TV and stuff. So for me, it's the first thing I ever felt like I belonged to anything when it came to athleticism. And, and Felicia really helped foster that because she's like, you're an athlete. Like when we were very first beginning, I'm like, nah, no, I'm not because I very much wasn't. And she's like, no, you are. And that's what you need to think, how you need to think from here on out. So um, and as far as me, like you know, we talk about hurting your bodies. Um, I, I do things a little different. Like I was noticing some of the people I follow on Instagram, like they're going to like contests pretty much monthly, if not more. Now me, now then my opinion, and it's just my opinion is that's where you're hurting your body. Like that's where you're going to start getting like super injury prone, stuff like that. I mean, I think Felicia does a good job of allowing us to listen to our bodies if we're like, hey, we're not going to do that, or I don't feel right about that, or giving us the flexibility of what workouts to do, um, or you know, just wanting to work on injury prevention with us and stuff like that. So I feel good. I mean, we've been doing this, or I've been doing this for 
you know, going on two years, if not passing two years, is two years or just the third year. Anyway, for several years. And like, I actually feel better overall than when we started. Like I still have shoulder problems, but I had those shoulder problems prior to strongman. Mm -hmm. So it's been a beneficial thing for me on so many fronts. And so I do take care of my body when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like if I'm not feeling it, I just don't do it because I'm in that for the long game. I can give a shit what I place. I mean, there are times that like the last Kansas strongest, I really wanted to be on a podium and I was like really focused on that. But overall, like if I don't get it, I'm not like killing myself over it or whatever. So for me, it's the long game. Like I want to be that grandpa that's in the gym deadlifting with his grandkids or even great grandkids. That'd be pretty cool too. Mm -hmm. So that's my answer to that question. Yep. I think, I think Jason will see that he misses competition soon. I think like he's just out of football and, um, it's still new, like not being in football, not having to do anything for that, not being competitive. And we all know Jansen, he's competitive. He's going to miss that. We'll get him to do strongman with us. I, yeah. I, I'm convinced. We'll it's get all, him to do it. It's a only a matter of time. So God's keeping him in the area for a reason. Yeah. That's why he's got KDWP instead of Texas Department of Wildlife. And, and he still practices all the lifts with us, even though he hasn't competed yet. You know, I mean. Dude, he could, he could totally go in and like demolish. Yeah, he'd get in my open class and demolish me. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he would do well at it. Uh, so you want to do the next question? Because that one's pretty easy to answer. Yeah. It is easy. <laughs> yeah, Cade's question? <laughs> that, one, that one's easy. Okay. So, Although I would like to try it some night. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cade Hover, he asks, who can drink the most beer, Nate or Nick? <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Definitely Nate. <laughs> um, no, I'm a lightweight, apparently. That's what people think. According to Fatima. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't really drink all that often. Uh, as a matter of fact, when Nate and I went to uh, Texas T-Bone last time, I got one Bud Light, and I was telling Nate, or maybe that was when we went to Applebee's. I can't remember. One of the places that we went, uh, B-Dubs, that's what it was, B-Dubs. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, this is hitting me like a ton of bricks right now, and it was one beer. Of course, we had to wait an hour for our food. Uh, yeah, we won't, we won't get started on that. <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on that one. <laughs> um, so the next one is from, who's that guy's name? You said it's Big Shady 55, but you know. Mitch. Josh okay. Mitchell. Gotcha. And it says, uh, does Nate feel like he has long-term head injury issues from football? Huh. I don't know if it's necessarily from football. But, like, two years ago when I got hit in the face by that piece of metal, and it could be because I've had multiple concussions. Are you talking about when Felicia's husband, like, accidentally hit you in the face of the metal? I mean, it was just as much my fault as his on that deal because, like, we had that bracket down, yeah. loaded with the spring loaded, and he yeah. bumped it, and, like, I was holding on to the other end, and bink, right in the nose and face. Ended up getting eight stitches in the, like... Above my lip, inside my mouth, and four stitches in my lip, and then I broke my nose. Had to have um, surgery on my nose. Had a is it displaced? Did you get like work comp for that? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. They paid for all of it, but yeah, I think I did get kind of a concussion then from whiplash because I honestly noticed kind of a temperament change after that. For me, um, I noticed in high school, like when I would get concussions, I would just snap. And get pissed. And after that, I noticed that I was that way. Of course, I was also drinking a lot, too, at the time. Um, so that could have been part of it. But I've noticed that I was doing that and really had to draw back and, like, look at myself and say, like, hey, why is this happening? And that's something I've thought a lot about over the last couple of years. And really the last couple of months, it's something I'm like, you know, maybe there was a concussion there because, I mean, things did kind of change after that and so I, I would say that there are some underlying issues and I think later on there's going to be even more issues um, but that can come down to like me not taking responsibility when I was in college and high school and saying hey I just got my bell rung I need to sit out for a play and figure this out you know because I've heard that like the the um, like when you get a concussion it's kind of like progressively easier to get one and then like you can get like, more damage the more of them you get, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, one of my best friends, Duncan, he 
um, had one, played with it, and ended up with uh, bleeding on his brain in high school, and it ended his football career. Um, <clears throat> so it does, it is a serious thing, you know, like he was in the hospital for quite a while, and then like sitting at home in a chair for quite a while, and um, he got lucky, you know, he got lucky it wasn't worse. Um, I got lucky that my head injuries aren't worse, you know, but like, I'm not gonna, well, but how do you truly know? Right. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not going to say that like the lessons and like the work ethic and the friendships and relationships I developed through football are worth way more than anything, any side effects I have up to this point, in my opinion, just because like I can go to almost any state, you know, and I've got friends that are close and just the life lessons I learned from Sterling and Nickerson and yeah, I just, I wouldn't give it up. I wouldn't go back and change any of it. All right. So, uh, the next one is from my buddy, Mike miles. And he says, uh, would you want your son or daughter to get into law enforcement? Now, I don't know if you want to answer this, but, um, you know, my, my youngest son, he says that he kind of mentions it from time to time. And I tell him, you know, son, you should like find something else to do. Um, cause my dad initially, when I told him I was going to do it, he's like the hell you are. And here I am. So, you know, I just kind of want them to be who they want to be. And mm-hmm. I just want to support that. Um, there might be some things that I, you know, have some reservations and we'll have a conversation, but I won't necessarily like talk them out of it. I'd kind of want it to be their choice. Unless of course they're like, you know, I want to go smoke crack for a living. You know, we might, I might be dead set against that, but you know, really don't care. Uh, I, I have some reservations cause I'm curious what the law enforcement environment will look at, look like when they get old enough to be able to do it because they, uh, it's changed a lot just in the 12 years that I've been here mm-hmm. and, and done it. And I know it's going to change a lot more in the next decade, whether that's for the better or for worse. I, that part, I don't know. Yeah. I agree with you. Like, like my future kids, I'm not going to push them in any direction. Like I'm not going to push them to be a hemp farmer, construction worker, any of that stuff. I want them to be happy and do what they want to do. Excuse me. So you're going to live over there? No, I don't know. Um, but, like, also, that being said, like, I I know that, like, I'm going to raise my kid in the right way to where they can take on those challenges that, that are going to happen, you know? Like, I want them to be, like, there's a lot of people that say they don't want to have kids because they want to bring them into this shitty world. And I think that is an extremely soft way to look at it. You should raise your kid to be the change in the world. Yeah. To make the difference. I agree. To be a leader and not to not have that kid because, I, in my opinion, that's just you're just being extremely soft. Well, could you could you imagine if Einstein's parents had that same thought process mm-hmm. or Nikola Tesla or Stephen Hawking? Um, and, of course, I'm just throwing physicists out here. There have been – or Jocko's or Andy's mm-hmm. or uh, Ryan Mickler's or any of the, any of those parents of like just, um, and, and I named a bunch of men there. There's also really great successful women too. And so like Hillary Clinton. Uh, or... and, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, honestly, cause it's like, it's, it's one of those things where um, the, I was look, look, watching a documentary one time about the attempted assassination of Hitler. Mm-hmm. Remember when he had the bomb planted and it failed. Well, they kind of got to looking at it, intro or like like uh, with hindsight, of even though he killed millions of Jews, he made a lot of really bad errors. He got into drugs. Um, he made a lot of tactical errors. He made a he lot on, of bad was calls. It cocaine? He, he was, was doing... on all kinds of stuff. Yeah, like all kinds of stuff. And so he he's on all those all those that were impairing his judgment. So. There's, there's a lot there because they were saying, like, had it been someone else that was maybe more of a competent leader, that we might have lost the war and we might be under a completely different thing. So mm-hmm. to have that mindset, and, and again, if that's your choice, like, you live your life, boo-boo, you know, unless this isn't me, Nate, me and Nate saying, like, you got to live life the way we tell you. No, that's but, just, I mean, that's the way I'm going to raise my kids. And yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's it's just one of the things of... of can you imagine if all of those like super successful people and not only that, but like imagine, imagine like even though your kid may not make this huge 
change this huge thing and be amazingly popular, like say Albert Einstein or whatever. Just imagine some of the people that like mentored Albert Einstein that you never heard about. Mm -hmm. Like those people helped foster him into the amazing person he is. And that could be your kiddo that helped foster someone into something amazing. Or Andy talks about that girl that he ran into yeah, at in the, the grocery store that like he was all down and <clears throat> about him. Like he got stabbed in the face, you know, his face was all fucked up and um, like he was, use it as a poor me story basically. And then like he's going through the grocery store and runs into this lady who had like all the skin burnt off her face basically. And basically said like, live your life. Like it doesn't matter, you know, don't, don't give a shit what other people think. And it changed his outlook on things. You know, he's like, if she can have a good outlook on life looking like that, like I'll be okay. And just people like that, you know, um, I'm not saying everybody has to have kids because we probably don't need everybody to have kids, honestly. Which brings us right into the Georgia Guidestones. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, it's a good transition see, here. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I was like, I'm going to jump on that one. So Ted Carter. We're going to go down a rabbit hole now. Oh boy. Oh boy. I just, I just imagine Ted Carter listening to this right now, and he's got the biggest shit-eating grin on his face. <laughs> I just know that guy. Biggest shit-eating grin ever. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's, I'll just, I guess we'll just read the whole question and then go, in, go into the points from there. So uh, what do you think about the state of the world right now with the forced resignation of British Prime Minister Boring, or Boris Johnson, the assassination of Shinzo uh, Shinzo Abe, which was the longest uh, standing premier of Japan, and also the leader of OPEC was found dead the same day. So what are your thoughts on uh, Georgia Guidestones being destroyed and the revelation that they were exactly 666 miles from the UN headquarters in New York? And then what are your thoughts on uh, CERN and them firing up the uh, part their particle collider? It's atomic particle collider, but it's a large hadron collider is actually what it is. So, what do we think about the state of the world? We'll start at the top. <laughs> um, Get a big breath. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of issues going on. And this, I mean, ties in like with fuel prices. You know, fuel prices, OPEC, basically, they control fuel prices. It ain't Biden. Sorry to say it. OPEC controls fuel prices. It's a world market. Um it's there's corruption on so many levels of government, so many levels in so many countries right now that it is just it's hard to believe like anything that you see on the news, in my opinion. Like it, it it's a struggle for me to really I mean, you've got to delve article after article to really see like what's going on and ain't nobody got time for that shit. <laughs> like you you can't research every single thing that happens for hours at a time, you know, and that's that's almost to the point we're getting to on some stuff. Like you can't find a reliable news source. Um, well, if you take the same news story from all of those different, uh, all those different people and, and you look at the titles and how they're titled, like you're going to get, like if you have five different news agencies all reporting the same thing, you get five different titles of that news story. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as far as for me, like what the state of the world is right now, um, you know, I'm still hopeful, honestly. Um, you know, and, and actually Andy Frisilla is one of those people that keeps me that way, knowing that there are people in the world like him and Ryan Mickler and Jocko and David Goggins and like so many others. But those are just the ones that come to mind of like, there are still men uh, out there that are fighting the good fight. And, you know, the worst thing that a good man can do is basically nothing is kind of what the quote says. And so I, I'm hopeful because I think that through mediums like this, like podcast where Nate and I can, you know, we can voice our opinions. We can say what we want to say. And there's nobody here censoring us, telling us we can't. And Might catch flack from that, other people outside of this. But, yeah. You know, that's fine. Bring um, it on. Yeah. Well, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where I think people are starting to just finally get fed up of it and tired of it. I don't care what side of the coin you're on. It's like, it's like Andy says all the time, this isn't a Republican or Democrat. This isn't left or right. This is just pro-America. And if you're not pro-America, nobody's forcing you to be here. Get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I can also see the people that aren't pro-America because it's like they look 
at the government system. And I'm like, but but those people that are up there, I don't care what side of the coin they're on, they're not pro-America. Like, they're pro-them. Whatever We've is lying in their times. pocketbook. Yeah. So, again, we could keep talking on that for forever. So Another thing, you know, there's a lot of talk about, uh, like, New World Order and that kind of stuff. I do feel like there is a push for, like, um, international government and this and that, um, which would be a disaster, in my opinion, that would be. I think they're giving it a try with the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. Like they're giving that a shot with all of that stuff. And even some of this stuff with like the war in Ukraine and Russia, I feel like that's got a little bit to do with it because Putin is completely against that. Obviously, Putin's not a great character. Yeah, he's not going to allow people to tell him what to do. That's that's it. But, I mean, I don't agree with things that Putin does. Yeah. I would say a lot of people probably don't. Um, but, I mean, that is kind of his pushback a little bit against that because a lot of those European countries are kind of like with the UN and all that stuff or, or is it no NATO? Yeah. They're kind of coming together. And I mean, that would be um, on like one of your biggest borders, not very far from your capital. You know, that is a national security concern, you know, it could be. Um, and so there's just a lot, a lot, a lot of things happening that, it's, I mean, it's tough to have, wrap your head around, honestly. Well, and and like like I said on the way here, uh, we think of the world in terms of four years. And the people that have been in power for 70, 80 years, they're playing the long game. Mm-hmm. And they're doing whatever they can to stay in power and stay rich. That's the long game. They could, they could give a shit who's sitting in the White House. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, if you're in Congress, you pretty much control the pulse of the nation, in my opinion, better than the president. Mm-hmm. The president 100%. just enforces the laws that they make. And so when, when you know a specific law or like, like Pfizer comes to you and says, Hey, we have this vaccine. Um, do me a favor, push this law through or vice versa. When they know that the, that this is coming down the pike. Cause let's face it. The people in Congress, they knew about COVID-19 long before you and I did. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Hmm. I can do some insider trading and buy some stock here or all or the ones sell that sell off my shit and, and buy in zoom, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of them did. So yeah. Um, did you say you did research on the British prime minister, prime minister, Boris Johnson? Cause I, I, just I didn't do any on that one. Briefly looked it up real quick. And I mean, he's the conservative prime minister. And I, I just read a little bit about like the way the prime minister comes, like he's not actually voted on by the people. Like it's their, Congress or whatever is voted on, and then whoever gets the most vote in that party becomes the prime minister for that. So he was a conservative prime minister for Britain. Oh, okay. Um, and there was a, they talked about dozens of scandals and this and that, and um, him not handling those good. Um, one of them was like one of his people below him was groping other men or something, and he didn't like make him resign or something like that. I mean, so there was some stuff talking about that, but you know, like it, it could have been, I mean, maybe, I don't know. There's just, didn't do a whole lot of research. I would say, that. yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to get into it too much. Um, the assassination of uh, Shinzo, Shinzo Abe, and I'm probably butchering that somehow, but again, the longest standing premier of Japan. And so I find it interesting that at a speech, she's shot in the back with a shotgun in a country that has incredible gun control laws. Hmm. You must have heard that before on this podcast. In a place where there is insane gun control, a criminal still got a gun and did bad things. It's insane. <gasps> Who'd have thought? So anyway, uh, I'll get off that soapbox. But the thing that I find interesting is, is you can see some stories about how relations with North North Korea kind of deteriorated with him. Um, and, and North Korea is definitely very much known. They're kind of like Russia of known of, you know, any political opposition or anybody that makes them look bad or whatever, like we're going to kill you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I could definitely see, I mean, cause there's, it's alleged that, um, Kim Jong Un, right. Mm-hmm. Cause it was ill first, right. Kim yeah. Jong Un, uh, had his own brother killed. Because, you know, he was more of the Western lifestyle and all that. He was kind of like a black eye to the family because he didn't live in North Korea. He traveled the world and lived that Western lifestyle. So I could definitely see, you know, North Korea kind of planning something like that, um, in my opinion. But again, I haven't done a significant amount of research on that. 
um, but also the leader of OPEC being found dead the same day. Like, goodness gracious. Like, um, there's so much money there. So much money. Like, I could see anything happening there for any reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's also interesting, too. We, we talk about all of this stuff. And, like, we can... Actually, we can... I'll, I'll bring it up at the end. I'll bring it up at the end when I'm getting the point I'm getting ready to make. Um, so, I, I could see one of a million reasons of that OPEC thing happening. But, uh, you know, somebody wanting to get power there. I could definitely see that. But, yeah, I, I again, haven't researched that. So, back to the Georgia Guidestones. So those of you that don't know what the Georgia Guidestones are, um, did you watch the video of it? Of the blow it blowing up? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. It was like a pretty impressive explosion. Really? It didn't like disintegrate the whole thing. I mean, they're sixteen foot granite yeah. slabs, you know, um, but it was still an impressive explosion. Well, that was what I was wondering. Do you see like somebody actually like walk up to it? And like plant the explosives because it is under video surveillance, mm-hmm. like twenty four um, hour. It didn't show. It only showed like ten seconds of it exploding. I'm sure they've got it of yeah. people. Well, they're probably not wanting to release that. I could see that. I think they said something about a white SUV pulled up to it. Gotcha. They still hadn't caught the people who did nope. it. No black SUV with dark tinted windows. Yeah. Now they made sure to go white, so it didn't look like a government vehicle. Uh. So basically, uh, basically the the. The synopsis of the Georgia Guidestones, and this is from Wikipedia. It, it's a granite monument that stood in Elbert County, Georgia, uh, from 1982 to 2022. 19 feet, 3 inches tall, made of six granite slabs, weighing a total of 237,746 pounds. So um, it's sometimes referred to as the American Stonehenge, and it believes that the creators were going to be the upcoming a social nuclear economic calamity that there was going to be one. And uh, they wanted the monument to serve as a guide for humanity afterwards is what Wikipedia says. And it has kind of some like 10 commandments quote unquote on it that were kind of the guiding principles. And the thing is, is like nobody knows who erected it. It was a RC Christian was the guy that came in and was like, he's my, or yeah, RC Christian. And he wanted to be like completely anonymous. And um, there are some plays on the word of the R.C. Uh, Rose um, Coromander, something like that. It's kind of like a, I don't want to say, I, I'm, I'm making a comparison of like, they're kind of like a Freemason type organization. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so uh, that was a play on those words, R.C. Christian. And so... Uh, anyway, the inscriptions read, the first one is maintain humanity under 500 million and perpetual balance with nature, uh, guide reproduction wisely, improve fitness and diversity, unite humanity with a living new language, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason, protect people and nation with fair laws and counts or and just courts, excuse me. Um, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Uh, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Balance personal rights and social duties. Prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. And, you know, most of those I can kind of side with and nate and i were just discussing a little bit on the way here of like all of those are good in theory but how do we put them together in practice i mean 500 million people like that's united states and canada (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah so we're just going to kill everyone else so uh that the georgia guidestones told us to nuke everyone else as dwight Schrute said we need another genocide oh gosh (laughs) So currently there is 7.753 billion people in the world. So 7.2 billion of us got to go. Billion. And if you want to know the difference between uh, million and billion, just go to Google and type what's the difference between million and billion and they illustrate that point in dollar bills. We're talking like pallets in a warehouse is is billions mm-hmm. of of dollars stacked on top of each other. It's insane. And so according, that's kind of, I think that's the part that gets people to kind of go to that whole thing. Cause I think if you took that one out of there, everybody else could kind of, 
kind of, you know, mm-hmm. get on board with the rest of that pretty easily. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting how, you know, I like the improved fitness and diversity. That makes sense. I don't have a problem with that. Unite humanity with a living new language. Like, eh, I mean, whatever. Um, rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Also makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of rooted in scripture in different ways. There's some uh, right-wing people out there, some conservatives that look at this, because it doesn't mis- mention God or Christianity yeah, or right. any of that stuff. And they say it's a satanic symbol. Yeah. Um, and that... I don't know. I mean, it, it seems to me like a far stretch for something like that. You know, I feel like if it was satanic, it would be a little more, I don't know, I feel like those aren't words that would be used by someone who's worshiping Satan, yeah. you know? It, like, it just doesn't seem evil to me. Like, maybe, like like the genocide, I mean, obviously like 500, 000, 500 million people, you know, that's... But they're also these guidestones are like for what happens after the apocalypse. So you know, like I think whoever put this here says like after this apocalypse, ninety percent of our population is going to be gone anyways. So maintain it. Um, and and then on top of the stones, there's like a slit. So like when you look straight up at noon, the sun should be coming straight through that slit. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of other holes on the other uh, granite stones that kind of line up. Like if you look through them. At like a specific time, it's supposed to line up with like Saturn or Mars or something like that. And then there's they're orientated in a specific way where two of the stones, where when the one side of it, like when the sun comes up, it's pointing at that. When the sun goes down, it's pointing at that. Um, so it's just got some interesting, interesting things about it. Um, but, uh, you know, and there's also some skepticism of that it was put there by the granite industry to bring tourism. But uh, that would be really, really expensive. Like yeah, that's... Tourist. Because it was like, what, like $500 million or something like that to put it up? Really? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Like that's a, a, a statistic I heard. So that would be a really expensive uh, gamble <laughs> to bring tourists in. Especially not charging like for you to go and look <clears throat> at <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Just yeah. to... People are going to buy granite on their way by. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also uh, Ted asked in there in the revelation that they were exactly 666 miles from the UN headquarters in New York. So uh, I, I was telling Nate on the way here, I think if you take any number, any given number that you want and draw a radius on a map, a flat map, you can find something somewhere in our world that is ironic mm-hmm. to something being there. Um, and I could be very wrong. I mean, that could be very intentional because let's face it, the orientation of that kind of stuff and all that was very intentional. And let's face it, those stones are in BFE. It wasn't like they were near a city center or anything like that. Did they just show up overnight? Do you know? Is it safe? No, there wasn't like a whole construction process. Like okay. people knew it was going down, but they didn't know who. Okay. But somebody, ri- but somebody rich was funding it. That's all they knew. Um, so I don't know. I'm not 100% sold on that part. Uh, coincidence on purpose. I don't know. Leave it up to you. It's kind of like where they put up by Satanists or Christians. Uh, I don't know. I'll leave that up to you kind of mm-hmm. thing. I don't know. Um, and also what are my thoughts on CERN and then firing up the, the atomic particle collider, the large Hadron collider? Um, have you ever done any research on that? So, okay. So I'm a nerd. Jesus. This is, <laughs> this is why I spent so much time a, in my parents' basement. We, we know it's okay. <laughs> uh, so basically, um, like, so you have like all these particles that make up like our world, right? Well, oxygen, nitrogen, all those kind of particles, they, they are very, um, abundant and easy to like see and, and mess with and all that other kind of stuff. Well, Basically, what this does is you can introduce certain particles of certain masses and all that other kind of stuff into the collider, and then they use extremely powerful magnets. And I'm talking like, if I remember, it was either millions or billions of volts was what they were using to power these magnets. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's underground. It goes between Sweden and France, and it's in a circle. And they basically spin those particles up you know, in a circle and it's a 17 mile circle. That's how big this thing is. All underground, all underground. It's like, it's hundreds of yards underground too. sounds like a cheap 
deal to put in the ground. And yeah, well, it was a uh, fifty billion dollar project. That's I it. Think. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I mean, it was it was in the tens of billions. And so basically, what you do is, is when you collide these particles together, it kind of simulates because it's in a vacuum as well, if I remember correctly. It simulates what kind of the Big Bang was and helps us understand our originations. And like also, there was a physicist with the last names um, Higgs, um, and he theorized about like so. For instance, when you like push on a like when you pick this water bottle up, and I'm picking up a water bottle right now. Like there's all kinds of molecules in my hands, like small little molecules and like molecules in this bottle. And like he theorized of like what gives it mass. Like when I feel this, what gives it the mass? And it's like the particles, they all have their own mass and all that other good stuff. But there was parts of the particles mass that didn't make sense under the math. Like if you gave all of the particles zero mass, the math worked out and was all elegant. Well, he basically theorized about kind of like a like a dark matter, antimatter kind of realm that particles existed in because like and there was like a force that, that they were in. So essentially he was looking for what he called the Higgs boson field. And then so they were looking for the Higgs boson particle. Long story short, uh, CERN and the Large Hadron Collider proved that he was correct and that, that he there was a Higgs boson field because they were able to do it. But they said it was literally like finding a needle in a haystack because that's only made in like one in a billion collisions of these particles. So they found it and they were like, it was like a holy shit, we can't believe we just did that kind of thing. So uh, now what are they using that thing for? So now what they want to do is they want to use it to prove that dark matter exists. So if you take up the mass of our solar system, because we can mathematically fill, figure out what the math of our solar or mass of our solar system is, all the planets, all the gases, all the rocks, all the everything only makes up five percent of that mass. Mm. Like the sun, everything mm. makes up five percent of our galaxy's mass. So they're thinking there's a thing called dark matter that makes up all of it, but it sucks in all light. It doesn't reflect anything or anything like that. So it's hard to basically detect space. and see. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to detect and see. And so they're basically trying to prove that dark matter exists um, is what the science says. Um, now, it's interesting to me because I think to myself, like uh, there's, there's some really cool like um, theoretical programs out there where you can play with physics essentially. So what I mean by that is like this one guy had a, a program where he could take, he took one drop of water, like a little, just teeny tiny dropper drop of water and made it as hot as the sun and then put it on earth. Earth vaporized. <laughs> like it was gone from one drop of water. That was the, the heat of the sun. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, based on that and my extremely rudimentary understanding of physics and I don't know these things and somebody else can probably comment and if I'm a moron please comment in the comments here but it's interesting of when when you're playing with particles trying to simulate the big bang <laughs> that literally made what we are uh could we not have the reverse of it could literally unmake us I don't know that uh, and it, and, and I know that stuff's done in kind of a controlled environment and the particles are very microscopic. I mean like teeny tiny, we're talking like on the literal atomic level. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but they're, they, they also will collide particles together and they'll come up with new no, no, novel particles. Like when you see the periodic table of elements, you know how there's that like disconnected portion down at the bottom that has things like Rutherfordium in it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Well, those are so like they, they exist for like nanoseconds. Like they're not things that you could put on the table and look at, mm -hmm. but they are elements. They're things that have been created. Um, cause the ones at the bottom are like the man-made particles. Yeah. So they're adding like particles to that list of things they've made up and they're like very novel things. Like they exist for fractions upon fractions upon fractions upon fractions of a second, but they have these huge things that can like detect what they are. So I don't know because I, I kind of know Ted's mindset on all of all of this stuff, but I don't know why he was asking about the Large, Had large Hadron Collider. Um, you know, looking, like I said, looking back at the physics of like we're playing with the Big Bang of like that, that could be interesting. But I guess if it is like we're all just vaporizing me dead and we, we won't even, even know. know. 
We'll just be uh, we'll just be what dust uh, in the wind. Yeah, we'll just be what uh, Carl Sagan termed as uh, stardust because we're all made up of stardust. So, mm. yeah. So there was that <laughs> long segue down that one. Yeah. So uh, I have a question for you. Oh shit! <laughs> Put me on the spot. Let's go. No, I just wanted to ask, like, how was the uh, how was the thing at uh, South Bend Industrial Hemp this weekend? Oh, I actually wanted to talk about that anyway. Well, good thing I'm here. Yeah, because I forgot. Um, it was a uh, it was an awesome deal, Melissa and those guys put out a really awesome open house every year. Um, it's normally the second weekend in July, um, and they so like they invited. High Point Farms come out and set up a booth um, and uh, just come out and educate people on CBD and talk and network, and which was awesome. There was over 100 people that, that came out, I think, um, and they had anything from... There was three different um, builders there that are building with hempcrete. Um, there was some other, like, oh, the equipment. Um, the people she buys her equipment for her research for um, her research company, like the research combine and planner. They were there talking about that equipment, and um, there's some other. Oh, the Tipsy Farmer. They're a a mobile bar that travels to little events like that. That's pretty badass. That's I where like I spent my most most of my money. <laughs> this is why Nate is can drink more beer than Nick because <laughs> Nick because Nate drinks like every other day. Nick does not. It's a profession. <laughs> um but yeah it was it was really cool and then um i mean i handed out all my business cards and got a lot of gained a lot of good contacts and stuff you know it's always always cool going over there and talking with aaron and richie and melissa and they're they're good friends of ours so um and then on saturday morning they had a workshop where you could go out and they taught you how to frame and then build a hempcrete wall um, which is very interesting to me because obviously I'm in the construction world and I've looked into this stuff a little bit. I know it can be a building material of the future right now. It's, it's getting there cost effective wise, but it's still more of a, like if you got big money and you think this is cool, you can build that house. You know, it's not quite to the point of I can go build my house out of it. Um, but essentially what they do is like we framed up a two by four wall with a window in it. Um, and then like for hempcrete, it's, um, the hemp herd, which is the core of the plant, um, which they process South Bend does. And then you add lime binder to it and then you mix it with water and that's your hempcrete. Um, and they say 10 inch minimum on your wall is what you want. So they take that two by four wall and they basically just space it out and put the forms on. And then you fill that and you pack that up. Whoa. I think we had. Maybe two foot forms. So you pack two foot in, then you move your forms up, and then you keep packing in more hempcrete, and you just work your way up the wall and up the roof. And um, it's so like typically you would have like seven layers on your wall. You know you're gonna have your siding, your uh, your vapor guard, your OSB, then your two by fours, then your insulation, then your um, I guess don't really count the two by fours. You have them. Then you're going to have sheetrock and then paint. Um, whereas with hempcrete, you've got, it'd be plaster, hempcrete, two by four, and plaster. So you're cutting a lot of costs out and a lot of waste because you have a lot of waste OSB and a lot of waste siding in a new build job site, which it sucks. You know, like, what do you do with this stuff? Like you got a bunch of eight inch cutoffs, ten inch cutoffs. Like you make platforms to train strongmen with your, you know, put your heels and toes on. And I mean, I take some of it, but we've got, dude. There is a pile sitting behind that house that is just, it's stupid. The one by the school. Mm-hmm. I just scrap two buys and siding and OSB and like the cutouts for the windows and all that stuff. You know, it's like that. We we waste a lot of product, and and I mean that's every build site. You know, um. With hempcrete, you don't have any of that waste. And, um, I mean, that's that's your insulation, too. And it's breathable, so it's clean, it's healthy. Um, Didn't you say it was, like, carbon neutral because it'll actually pull some of that stuff out? Over time. Or car- carbon negative, you mean? Yep, it's a carbon negative <clears throat> home over time. And they're the some of the most efficient homes you can build. Um, like, even because a lot of times you do, like, you go all the way up the ceiling 
like in your trusses with your hempcrete. And you don't have to do that, but I mean, you might as well. Yeah, why not? If um, you got the money that you're investing anyway, I guess. Eventually, they're trying to make it's not structural. Hempcrete isn't yet. There, there's some companies that are working on making blocks to make them structural, which would be really cool, you know. And, and they, some of them kind of look like Legos. Some of the examples they got out now, just build your house with these hempcrete blocks that are like Legos. Um, but I was really cool to see that process, and it makes me want to build a podcast studio or something out of hempcrete <laughs> one of these days. Um, you could build you could build a new table out of hempcrete. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like, like for rentals and stuff, like those homes would be so efficient. You're not going to have jackass college students punching holes in your walls. <laughs> That's for sure. That's because they're going to be suing you to get their medical bills paid. To fix all their knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't be, win, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> Can't say I've never punched a hole in a drywall, but. Yeah, I've done that many times. There's <laughs> holes in my, my house right now from that. Um, so it's, it, it was just a really cool experience seeing all that stuff. And then like at the end of that workshop, we went and toured their processing facility and just the year difference that I've seen from last year to this year is just, I mean, it's the same equipment stuff, but just how much more efficient they become. You know, they went from doing like two or three bells. We keep them busy for a week. You know, now it's like, they're getting through like four or five bales a day, I think, something like that. You know, so their efficiencies have gone up a ton. And he said they can't even they could run twenty four seven and not keep up with um, the amount of herd they need right now. Well, she she was saying that even in the podcast where she's getting they were getting people uh, people that wanted them to commit to contracts that they couldn't they couldn't honor that commitment. So there was actually more of a demand than they were able to keep up with. Yeah, Which I mean the biggest thing that's is a good the, problem to have if you think about it. They just don't have the farmers growing it. There's just not the, I mean, they've got probably 15 farmers or so growing it and which is good, but I mean, there needs to be a hundred farmers that are growing it and there needs to be five more South Bend industrial hemp's in Kansas, you know, cause that's one of the big things they're fighting is logistics. You know, how do you ship those bales? Round bales don't ship very well. Um, and so it's a pain, it's a pain in the ass to haul round bales from Nebraska down to Great Bend. Or from even Hutch. I mean, that's not bad. An hour isn't too bad. You can get most of your bales hauled in a day. Um, but there's just, I mean, it's growing pains. And it's its cool to see how they're working through it. And it's, they're, they're doing good, good work over there. Well, it's interesting to see how, like, diverse the plan is. I mean, mm-hmm. you guys are using it for a completely different purpose than what they're using it for. Oh, they've got piles and piles and piles of fiber sitting over there right now. Just because, like, they've had some textile people reach out and they want freaking, like, 100 tons a month. It's like, we don't even have 100 tons and we've been operating for a year, you know? Like, I mean, (laughs) those aren't exact numbers by any means, but it's like, they can't even meet the demand that people want. There was someone that's um, out of, they were saying, like, overseas, maybe Taiwan or something that wanted to sample and they said, we want a 50,000-pound sample shipped to Taiwan. It's like, what? <laughs> like, we can send you a 50-pound sample, not 50,000 pounds. Like, that's, <laughs> I mean, that, that just growing pain. I mean, eventually, they're going to get to a point where they can send a 50,000-pound sample, you know? Um, I don't know what, yeah, it's, that's uh, interesting. I mean, that's, that's a lot of labor and material, Um but it's it's really cool seeing that process and seeing them grow and their mindset on stuff and it's look up to those guys over there that's for sure. Cool. Uh, so we got another question. Actually, Heather Heather submitted several questions, so we'll just go through those. Uh, so uh, why don't you do my podcast idea, listener's choice? So you want to let her choose what we're going to do on a podcast? No, this isn't an MTV show. <laughs> Come on, Heather. We're not in the 90s anymore. Uh, welcome to High Point Farms Cribs. <laughs> uh, all right. You ready to get us in trouble or you want to skip that one? No, we're going to get in trouble. So okay. the Wellness Center posted rules. And <laughs> she you wants said to, we're going to skip it. She wants to know our response to them. Um, 
So, I don't know, man. Uh, 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 well, we got, you got like you got people listening in like freaking Russia that don't know what the rules are. Yeah. They, so the rules they posted is no shoes, no shirt, no service, and then like it no, says well, no and no midriffs. Yeah, that's what it says in bottom in parentheses. It says no midriffs, no torso showing, basically. So there is girls that were wearing like sports bras, you know, and crop tops and this and that, and obviously someone complained about it, you know. Like I guess if that's your opinion about things, that's fine, you know, just move on um look the other direction that's the way i look at it um but i mean they're going to push these rules on people that are um i would say a majority of your people probably don't care that are in the wellness center you know so you're going to put these rules into effect that make two people happy um which you know i guess it's your business run it the way you want to run it but that that was going to be my answer is we've spent time on this podcast and I've spent time on this podcast saying through Corona or through COVID-19 of that should have been left to the businesses. If the business wanted you to wear a mask, if the business wanted you to be vaccinated, if the business wanted you to social distance, if the business wanted you to curbside pickup, then you need to honor that. That business needs to make that decision and you need to honor that. And I think that's the same thing with this, the wellness center and their rules. Their private business uh, that's what they chose, and that's what I'm going to honor. Are they really private, though? Well, I mean, it's it's run by the rec commission, so I mean, yeah. you're getting, but but you you get what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um. Is is you know, and not to mention, we are astoundingly lucky. Yeah, to I mean, have it the is wellness really nice center that we have, and so. Um, but I mean, my even, my, even if it wasn't, I, I still feel the same way. Like if they're going to start expecting more out of us as customers you know like i'm going to start expecting more out of the wellness center um you know like i don't think the mirrors have been cleaned for like two years well they got cleaned at i know for a fact they got cleaned at seth's contest yeah because well, i helped with that they're gross right now they are and, I, I, and i've got i've got the pr- the uh pictures on my phone of selfies to prove it and the, <laughs> you can see it the bathroom is disgusting <clears throat> dude that mat, mat, the men's bathroom of course i haven't been in the women's i i still live in a pre-obama world where i go to my own bathroom but um but i uh that bathroom is awful. It's almost like, and I know that's not the wellness center's job. Like that's the janitorial staff of the school. Cause that's like who maintains all that. Mm-hmm. But it is like, it is an afterthought. Like I, I, I get like, I'm a dude and like, I've been in locker rooms before and I've smelled nasty stuff. And it all smells that. like you walk into a park bathroom in yes. the middle of town. Amen. Amen. It I would disgusting. agree with that. And it's, it's, it's in a, the middle of a nice school, you know, like yeah. it, it, you walk into it and you get the park bathroom vibes. Like, I don't want to sit on this toilet seat. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, also people that are coming to the gym to like visit or like to shower or whatever. Like, I feel like you're going to feel like you were dirtier than when you came out of the bathroom than when you went in. I don't think the hot water's worked in there for like two months, honestly. I've let that shit run to like just see, and I don't ever get hot water. I don't know how one of my coworkers does it. He, he lifts and works takes a shower in the morning before he comes to work and he's been taking cold showers for the past two months. Well, those are good for you. So <laughs> problem solved. Uh, so what is your most unique bucket list item? Hmm. Are we talking like a vacation? Are we talking like, like something you want to accomplish before you die? The most unique thing you want to accomplish before you die? I mean, this goes back. I want to build a hempcrete home for myself mansion (laughs) just kidding but i mean i want to build a nice hempcrete home that like i live in for 30 plus years you know that's 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 up there um i don't know i want to travel a lot don't really have a lot of specific locations but i think like as the business grows i think we're gonna start traveling more and doing booths out of state and that kind of stuff and start seeing a little bit that way too i think we can make booths out of state at bigger shows worth our time and i think probably not this year but maybe next year that's we're gonna start pushing that so we'll see what happens there it'll be fun well for me um i'd like to be rich enough at some point to pay off people's bills and i'm not talking just like your city bill i'm talking like mortgage bills like that's something that I'd want to do. Um, I know that like my mortgage is a lot of money to me. I mean, it's, it's manageable. I'm not to the point where I can't like pay my bills, but I know that having that extra $700 a month in my pocket would be useful. And and not to say that when you pay off everybody's bills, they're all going to be responsible mm-hmm. and make good choices after that. 
but um, it's just something that's been on my mind for a long time. Is I, I if I ever did become rich or became rich, I would like to pay people's bills. That's like a bucket list thing that I'd like to do someday. And even if that means that, you know, when I retire and I get like a lump sum payment that I can help somebody pay off a bill, even if it's like quote unquote small, like that's that's kind of like bucket mm-hmm. list items that I want to do. I want to be able to like help people like that. I can understand that. So, because other things that I want to do on my bucket list aren't unique. Like go to Italy, eat some like OG Italian pasta, you know, something like that. That's not really unique. Mm-hmm. So. I want to have multiple High Point Farm stores across the state, maybe even the country. And See. then and then all, your kids running it all? Maybe. If I have kids, who knows? <laughs> uh, and then Heather's last question. What's one thing that you've accomplished lately that you're proud of? Hmm. Um, for me, it would be uh, like just managing me and my emotions and then working through the struggles that we've had with Eli and just continuing to be the best man and cop and dad that I can be. I'm actually pretty proud of that. I still, <clears throat> just like Andy says, and I know we talk about him a lot, but we both like him, um, is just like Andy, uh, I wake up every day. And I look in the mirror and I see a guy that I'm like, okay, you're doing okay. You're doing okay, but you can do better. And that's me every day. But I'm proud of where I've come or where I'm at now from where I've come. That's something I'm pretty proud of right now. Yeah. I actually had someone call me a narcissist the other day and it, it really opened my eyes up. I was like, cause like I'm, I'm pretty like conscious about what other people think about me. You know, I probably shouldn't be as much, but you know, that, that got under my skin a little bit. Um, but then I got to thinking about it and, you know, like in context and stuff, the way we were talking about it, I could see where I would come off that way to him. But then like, I think about that a little bit more and I look at like the career I've developed and the business I'm helping build and just the things that, that we're doing with the podcast and like the relationships I'm building and I was like it it like one person's opinion does not matter on that you know like there's we've had a lot of progress with the store you know like one thing I'm really proud of is this house we're building and the crew of guys that I've got and how how fun that's been and how efficient we've been building that house compared to previous ones you know like it's gone up in a hurry it's completely new design it's we're taking these blueprints and basically retrofitting them they were made in 1997 so we're retrofitting them to way they want you know they paid 1500 bucks for these prints whereas if you do a custom home print it's like 15 grand you know so we're saving a lot of money that way there's a little more headache for us but you know like just the way this house build is gone and um i'm just i i feel like i'm starting to come into my own in the construction industry and this and that and it's just it's things are fun right now so i'm having fun and i'm proud of that so cool long story short (laughs) (laughs) well that pretty well wraps up all the questions man right on time anything else you want to say any final thoughts or anything like that nope just go out and win the day every day diamonds are made under pressure baby that's right that's right (laughs) yeah um and and another thing without getting too deep into things uh, you've heard me talk about the go giver and investing in people. You know, I kind of had a, I got a letter in the mail that had some stuff, a, a thing attached to it that helped me. Uh, and so I just was really humbled by that. And so I just want to like encourage people to go out there and continue investing. You're going to get walked on. You're going to get taken advantage of. It's going to happen, but just keep investing in people in your community. And like we were talking about, like be, be the change that you want to see for the world. I know it can get disconcerting. I know that you don't, feel like you're making a difference sometimes, but you are. Even if it's one person at a time, you are. So with that being said, thanks everybody for listening. Again, we're truly humbled that you choose to spend time with us and you choose to be here with us. And we really appreciate you you listening. Uh, We haven't had any real ratings yet that I've seen. Uh, If you could just drop a rating that really helps with the algorithm. I mean, even if you just leave us a five star and like a great podcast or whatever, 
Uh, we'd really appreciate that. Also, we have a YouTube page. If you check out the uh, description in this podcast, you'll see the YouTube page. Check us out on Instagram at The Higher Points, on Facebook, The Higher Points Podcast, and at our website, www.thehigherpoints.com. And we really appreciate your time. We'll catch up with you guys next time. See you guys.